watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we're going to take a look at just two movies. Tiny, tiny episode. Light week. Uh, the Accountant and Maya Angelou and Still I Rise. And even though there are only two, we're going to rate them on that three-tiered scale, with Binge It being the highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Life is too short. Just like this episode's too short. <laughs> I mean, this mess. I mean, we haven't gotten into it yet, but it's not going to be a long one, And guys. it's over. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> we don't have a whole lot to say, but we're going to do our best to say it anyway. <laughs> never, never stopped lo- us before. It never has. No, no, it has not. Uh, yeah, tiny, uh, tiny week. It's weird. There are a couple of weeks this fall uh, that are just really, really empty at the multiplexes for the major releases. I'm like, where the fuck is everything? Isn't this supposed to be a big movie season? It absolutely is. And I don't know, October, it's like they're just, everyone's holding they're holding fire uh, for November. Mm. Um, so October is just like a series of like weird one-offs, like fucking Girl on the Train last week. And and uh, this week it's uh, the accountant, and then mm-hmm. uh, and then two weeks it'll be like Inferno, like just like random dumb kind of schlocky studio movies that are just like, why are these? It's almost like a second summer. It's like it's like you know, <laughs> well, because really, summer had a bunch of good movies, didn't it's, it? It's you know, not to use not to use an offensive term, but it's like an oh, Indian no. summer. No, there it's Indian go. summer for movies. It's like a second summer that comes in October, and we just get a handful of like schlocky studio movies. Uh, that are similar uh, to the ones we get in the summertime. So weirdly, um, the the awful, awful summer of 2016 movies, not quite over yet, mm. as it turns out. Yay for us. Yay for us. But anyway, we what's, soldier uh, onward. Uh, what's up with you, I guess? Might as well just cut right to that. That's Nothing? Fine. Okay, perfect. Let's move on. <laughs> no, I, um, well, you know, you might think that I got all of my film festing out of my system in Toronto. Um, but right now, here in the Bay Area, we are celebrating the Mill Valley Film Festival. Oh, yeah. Uh, which has a remarkable lineup. Um, it's it's kind of like TIFF 2.0. Um, so many things that played at Toronto also play here, as well as some things that didn't play at Toronto and uh, and have since opened at like the New York Film Festival. Oh. Uh, so on Sunday, this Sunday, I'm going to be heading up there to meet... Um, uh, our, our esteemed, uh, colleague Grant, uh, who I last saw when he was here for the San Francisco Film Festival, our, our, our friend, friend of the show who reached out to me. Oh, from Canada? Uh, no, not from Canada. That's uh, another fan. Yes. Uh, oh, they're, they're, they're piling up. Uh, <laughs> two, one on top of each other. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to be heading up to meet Grant up in Mill Valley and watching, uh, three movies in a row this coming Sunday, um, culminating in a movie that I'm very excited for, which is 20th Century Women. Uh, yes. The new directed by Mike Mills, who made Beginners, sounds right up your alley already. Um, starring Annette Bening um, in her latest Oscar tip performance that she might finally get through with, uh, because she has been famously smacked down not once but twice, twice. by Hilary Swank. Uh, not a good look for anyone. Um, so it's Annette Bening, it's Elle Fanning, it's Greta Gerwig, it's a cast, and mm-hmm. it's a director, and it's a movie. And I'm seeing it on Sunday. <laughs> Very excited for that. Um, we're actually going to be, I would tell you guys all about it next week, but we're taking next week off, which leads into me asking Rebecca, what is up with her? I'm going on a whirlwind trip around the country, <laughs> um, 
to um, glorious Philadelphia for a few days and then jetting back over to um, just the jewel of the of the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, mm-hmm. um, and then back over the to Emerald the Emerald Mid- City, they call it, they, I believe. It yeah. is. That is that gem, jewel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then back over to Cleveland, where mm. um, my other love, basketball, not my family, uh, <laughs> basketball, uh, dri- drove me there. We're gonna, I'm going to go see... Uh, the Cavaliers get their ring. As you may remember from my excitement last year, they won the national championship. And when mm. you win that, you get a ring. And mm. then the first game of the next season, they do the ring ceremony and they like hang the banner and the rafters. And it'll be a good time. So they do it all for jewelry? Is that what this is? Uh, you know, the, it, you know, fame, jewelry, um, you know, posterity, so, I achievement. Mean, so not super different from RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. Oh, they also get jewelry? Uh, or they, they get a banner. They get uh, they get wigs. They get sequins. They get makeup. They get all kinds of accoutrement. Uh, oh, it's uh, like a, a you get a package from. It's a weekly. It's an ongoing thing. Different things every week. And tonight, I'm just excited because as we're recording this, we are a mere two hours from the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars. Well, so what do you what, what do you get when you win the whole thing? Um, you win. I want to say like a hundred thousand um, oh. dollars. And then uh, and then a bunch and a of and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a little inside joke. No, sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no. It's it's very exciting. So that's my my sports. While we wait for award season to really gear up, is mm-hmm. just uh, drag race. So I'm just trying to find connections, build bridges with you in these things you get excited about. Yeah, I appreciate before that. Before you go and ride the rails all around the country next week. <laughs> I know. I'll be uh, just really really sing America's best. Yes, and uh, unless you think that Rebecca is doing it in a smart way, no, she actually is coming back to San Francisco in between each of those cities. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, not well thought out. No. Um, and then I'll be back in time to vote. Yes, most which important. Which is really important. And you could have voted early, if you. I guess, I suppose, if you'd wanted to. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, yeah, I guess they opened, these, opened two days ago. All these smug fucks on social media posting their pictures of their early voting, like, mm, I got all the way, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, good for you. Why not? I mean, that's why is that smug? That's great. Then those they're being smug about it. They're being smug about. It. They're like, look, I know better than the rest of you. Sorry, motherfuckers, you're gonna go get in line. If you go vote right now, and when then when the polls open, like, does your vote get counted early? Does it help with like, and right out of the gate, this person's ahead by this much? I never hear that in the news on election day. I never hear like. I, I feel like it's afterward that they're like, okay, now we'll take into consideration the votes by mail. Uh, uh, or, but those or, aren't votes by mail, right? Those are in. Well, I don't know. I, but I know what you're saying. Like the yeah. people overseas. Right, right, right. No. <laughs> Listen here, you goddamn expats. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm sure Zagreb is beautiful at the time of year, but you know we're having a bit of a crisis. If you didn't notice, we could appreciate Things your support. Are pretty dire over here. Jesus. Because um, it's always like with 0.1 precincts reporting. <laughs> Obama has Ohio. It's, it's, I guess not Ohio. That's the, the one CNN that was with projecting. The yeah, yeah, that's such Hector projectors. Nice. Those guys. Um, are we going to have an election party? Um, I don't know. Are we going to? Is there anything in the city that's happening? I'm sure. I mean, like, I feel like it's probably going to feel like. Um, the only thing I can compare it to is like maybe New Year's Eve 1999 going into 2000 uh-huh. when we thought Y2K could happen. Yeah, and Whitney Houston was at the top of the charts. And there was a group of boys calling themselves Queen. Uh, we're selling many signs. No, no, uh, because I feel like we were all so like we knew there was gonna be one of two outcomes. Yeah. Um, and in one outcome, we got to just celebrate and have an amazing time. And the other, like the world's going to end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like it's kind of that same vibe. Yeah. 
Um, is. Where, like, if she wins, then we're going to just, like, put on 1999 and dance. Yep. Um, and if she doesn't, then it'll just be, like, a mass ritual suicide. Yeah, probably. Uh, so I feel like, uh, I don't know, a party is almost preemptive. I feel like we need to wait until... I don't want to be alone. I remember I... Oh, no. Last Obama was kind of a boring one. I was at a bar. Nothing really happened. First Obama one, I was at a bar and it was amazing. Oh, my God. I will never forget. So in amazing. Whenever... I felt like I was at a convention. I feel yeah. like there was confetti that were came down. Were you in San Francisco yet when that happened? No, I was in Cleveland. No. Oh, man. That was... People were loving it. Well, I mean, the awful thing, though, about that election was that was when Prop 8 passed. Oh, yeah, that's true. I so guess that, that touched was, that us a little a, bit less over there. In, that was in Ohio, a real but... that was a real double-edged sword, that election. Yeah. And then I went to a party for the last time Bush was elected. And it was nice to be around people. It, I mean, it was nice. <laughs> it, was. it was better than being you alone. You mean in the 2004 election? Yeah. Yeah, we were both, we were both you and I in Kent at that time, yes? Uh, near, nearby Kent. Nearby Kent, yeah. Um, but... I feel like if I'm alone and Trump gets elected, I'm gonna like now when you lock say, all the doors up and like hoard food in my basement. Now, when you say alone, are you including your wife in that? Yeah, you, yes, you, yes. I mean, I need a party of like ten right, to twelve if I'm people alone, to feel safe. If I'm alone with the old ball and chain, no, then no, 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 no. I'm not gonna be able to get through it. I'm gonna. I need like a, a perimeter of people mm, to keep my panic at bay. Sure, sure. I'll just start you, freaking out and, and like the front she'll line. She'll have to thunder shirt me. The front line. She's will tiny. Just be, it's gonna be hard. The front line is just gonna be like punchables. Yeah, uh, there's be people for you to just <laughs> yeah, wall up. Fodder, I need right, yeah. fodder friends around. Right, right, yeah, just people who can take a hit uh, whenever you have your tantrum. I, I I know a couple of our friends that are like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we uh, well TBD guys, uh, we'll let you know um, as we get closer to that. Yeah, I guess we still have another um, show. We have one more episode um, of new releases because. Guys, we also have an interview episode coming up. Um, we're going to be posting that next week in lieu of a new release episode while Rebecca is away. I had the great privilege of talking to Barry Jenkins, the writer-director of Moonlight, which is one of the year's absolute best films. So excited and to see that. Can't wait for you all to see it. Uh, so look for that next week, and then uh, we'll have one more episode, new one before the election. Er, yeah, I guess just one. Yeah, one more. Yeah. Um, so, guys, here we are. No, two. Because I think it's actually the election's on the 8th. Um, oh, yeah. The first week of November and the last week of October. So, it's like, yeah. So, there's going to be like a whole week of, of November. Oh, my uh, God. The whole thing's just topsy-turvy. Um, Trump's followers think it's going to be November 28th because that's the date he told them. <laughs> what is happening to the world? Um, shall we now? I guess so. All right. I like that's basically long enough, enough banter to substitute a, a third movie review. Let's do one movie and then we'll be 50% done. Yay! Uh, the first movie we're going to take a look at today is The Accountant. As a math savant uncooks the books for a new client, the Treasury Department closes in on his activities and the body count starts to rise. Your son is a remarkable young man. Wouldn't surprise me if he has more in common with Einstein, Mozart, and Picasso than he does with us. He has highly advanced cognitive skills. The obsessive personality. Can our son lead a normal life? Define normal. He's capable of much more than we know. Okay, so I'm coming in it. I'm coming in hot with this one. I already hate it. <laughs> uh, oh, it's some like overachieving white dude who's. Uh, so go ahead, set me straight. Is it as bad as I think it is going to be? Is he a bad guy? Is it interesting? No, I mean he. Well, he's autistic. 
the character. I mean, that, that doesn't mean he's a bad guy. The character is well. No, I wasn't saying that to God, mean he Jason, was bad. You're terrible. Oh my God. No, I'm saying that he's not an overachieve. He's a, he's autistic. Uh, and uh, so right off the bat, which raises a number of questions. Um, you know, around depictions of, uh, oh. of autism in film and having someone like Ben Affleck playing an autistic character. Right. And the acting choices one makes to play an autistic person. Oh, we have an I Am Sam situation on our hands? You know, it's not quite I Am Sam level, um, but... You know, I just feel like I would like to hear what, uh, you know, what someone, I'm sure, I don't know if there's like a, I'm sure there's some kind of watchdog group in the, for like media watchdog group sure. for, for autism and its depiction. And there's, at least there's like an, an umbrella of a disability or a differently able kind of mm-hmm. watchdog group. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the one thing that I feel like is almost definitely not great is that the movie has a, a pretty steady undercurrent of humor running through it, but almost all of the jokes are kind of. I want to say at the expense of Ben Affleck's character, mm. uh, but more just kind of like they just they are not afraid to mine humor from his autism um, and to be like, oh, because he doesn't get social cues and he doesn't uh, understand, you know, things like that. In an otherwise in a movie that's otherwise not funny. Right. It's like about the cartel. Well, and it's an action thriller. Um, OK. And okay. I, yeah. So, you know, it has like it has some of that 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 humor in it. And they. Uh, you know, they cast Anna Kendrick uh, to play. Oh, uh, she is. She's, she's continues coming up to. on Rachel Vice. She um, <laughs> look out, Vice. Movies of the year. How many? Kendrick got you in the crosshairs. <laughs> uh, so okay, so this movie is numbingly convoluted. It has oh. a lot of moving parts and so many different subplots are all kind of packed into it. So you know, we have over here, we have Ben Affleck playing this kind of like shadowy character who we know is some kind of like accountant for hire um but like a super accountant and maybe he's like being employed by bad guys to do some kind of job but we don't know for certain we have jk simmons playing this like federal agent who has this young woman that he is blackmailing into tracking down this one guy who maybe killed a bunch of people once but that's unrelated um well i mean we, we're not sure what's going on okay okay um and then there is um, John Lithgow playing the head of this kind of like this financial facility that Affleck goes to work at. That's where he meets Anna Kendrick, who plays like a younger employer there. And they kind of have like a, it gets a little too close to romantic for my taste. Um, just in the sense that like it does not need to go there. And mm-hmm, so it just felt mm-hmm. like a studio note type thing. Like, mm-hmm. okay, now make him fall in love. Right. Uh, you know, well, they were right. Uh, could, to go back to our denial just be review, an, an accountant, right? <laughs> right, exactly. She has she to be. Has a love to be. She has to be a love interest. Uh, so there's that part. Um, Jeffrey Tambor is in it. What? Um, he just just in these like flashbacks. He's in prison, so it's like uh, good, it's like Arrested Development. So it's good flashbacks to that. If only Jane Lynch were there. Uh, uh, no touching. And if only <laughs> exactly, no touching. Uh, if only uh, if only he was teaching his um, his spirituality class. <laughs> um, but he does play uh, a sort of um, kind of like a father like figure in this in this prison setting. There's that. Jean Smart is in it. She also works at this financial facility. Um, and meanwhile, there's this whole other movie brewing um, with John Bernthal from The Walking Dead um, playing some kind of hitman who's like out to get someone. Like, and, and if is it, I'm sure as I'm saying this, you guys are like zoning out because you're like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're know. looking at my eyes. Yeah, yeah. And and that's how I felt watching this movie. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, you're like, is this actually like a series of like vignettes and short stories that are just kind of woven together haphazardly? And, you know, and by the end, it does all come together. 
Um, but not in like a very good way. Not in mm. like, a, oh, wow, oh, shit, they fucking nailed that. No. Like, and there's there's this one with the movie we consider a big twist um, that becomes very, very evident from around like halfway point. And there's another twist that I don't think could be anticipated, but when it's un- <laughs> when it's unveiled, it strains the boundaries of both credulity and taste. Oh. And does get a little bit more I am Sammy. Oh no. Uh so not 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 superb. Uh so uh yeah, it's it's oh god. There's there's there there's this is like a kitchen sink type movie and it, it's just really uneven. It sounds like the best thing about it is the supporting cast. It has tons that, of people in it. Is that Well, but they're all the they're all there, but no one's really doing much. Okay. Um, you know, it's kind of Affleck's show. Um, you know, and he's uh, you know, he's fine, but again, it just like it's just that question of ethics around like casting and you know an abled actor to play like a differently abled person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not, you know, I I mean yeah, I don't. I don't really. The internet and its many outcries. I have not ever heard yet an outcry Me for neither. like autistic actors playing autistic parts. Um, you know, I I have not heard that brought up. Um, I'm sure it's probably only a matter of time. No, um, I feel like they haven't done. I feel like I Am Sam was definitely the last movie where they had someone play someone with Down syndrome. Like, I feel right. like since then I've seen a lot that more was, actors with Down syndrome. Looking back, just... that now is like that would be like. You know, that would now be like, having yeah. a, a, you know a cis actor play a trans role. That's sort of getting now to that level of like where it feels like a blackface type thing, mm-hmm, where it's like, mm-hmm. oof, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, we haven't really gotten to autism yet, and mm-hmm. uh, and again, I just don't, you know, I don't want to like speak for the autistic community and like be right, outraged right. on their behalf. But they're like, oh no, it's fine. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's not a big deal. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, so Affleck just tries, you know, he does like. Oh, don't well, do it for me. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do the impression. No, I was going to say he does flat affect Affleck. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, that was good. Uh, so, yeah, he's just very, uh, you know, he keeps his eyes kind of, you know, fixed, like, a, you know, what kind of a low point in front of him. And uh, and I don't know. Uh, and, and like I said, there's, there's you know, lots of humor. Like, oh, this guy is so weird. And Anna Kendrick's like, oh, I'm awkward. I don't know how to read you. Wah, wah, wah. Oh. And uh, it's, yeah. And even as I'm speaking, I'm replaying bits and pieces. And I'm remembering other even weirder bits of subplot that they've, like, forced into it. You would think it was based on a novel, but it isn't. <laughs> uh, it feels like they took like some labyrinthine, like four hundred and sixty page crime drama, and tried to like compress it into this movie, but it's not. No. It's just an unnecessarily convoluted screenplay. How did this? Where is this from? Uh, this is from. I mean, it's from, it's from Warner. I think it's like okay. it's, it's a major, um, and it's directed by Gavin O'Connor, uh, who's a who's a established director and has this amazing cast doesn't like as i said does not do right by many of them i was very excited to see Jean smart because she just did mm-hmm. fargo season two and she was so good in that and i think people were feeling like oh this is gonna like revitalize her um and then she done lost the emmy um and uh and 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 this role is a is a throwaway how was the action um the oh yeah there's actually the, the it does get a little graphic there's a lot oh ben affleck loves a headshot in this movie loves a headshot <laughs> Um, so there's a lot of scenes of him just shooting people point blank in the head, like very quickly. Oh wow! Um, so and so it has like it has that kind of um, almost like the jump cut of yeah, violence. Well, kind of like I think every time it happened, or the jump scare of violence. Every time it happened, like the audience would kind of jump a little and then giggle um, because <laughs> <laughs> audience senses are so weird. <laughs> like oh 
oh, oh, mm, oh, mm, got yeah, me. Like, oh, got, got me. me, got me again. Oh, bolt in the head. All right, <laughs> we're having fun. Uh, <laughs> now we're cooking with gas. It, it, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's definitely a recurring um, motif of his killings in this movie, of which there are many. Um, and it's just over and over again, just like really quick. And it's almost even, even that feels like an extent of like his characterization of, as this autistic mm-hmm, person. Yeah. That he's very, you know, he's very, um, functional mm-hmm. and very kind of uh just you know focused on like the goal at hand and just like checking it off and very um, well, yeah, it doesn't have like an efficient. emotional reaction to like efficient. doing something exactly exactly severe. exactly so he can just go around and just repeatedly just like shoot people point blank in the head yeah. oh right because there's this whole other subplot that i just remembered where he's also this like amazing trained fighter um because of things from his childhood uh, so like huh. it is it is amazing the number of subplots that are just like bubbling up in my head I'm like oh right and also that oh and also that oh and also that it's absurd it well, is so unfocused is it uh, watchable this sounds like a plain movie yeah it's a plain movie I mean I got through it I didn't think that I, it did drag a little here and there it had some pacing stuff um, so it was watchable um, yes and I mean just as almost as like an oddity and you know, also what's funny is that Ben Affleck did not learn his lesson from Gili, uh, <laughs> which was also um, about, uh, I believe, the character that who's played by Justin Bartha in that movie, um, who Affleck and J Lo towed around with them, was an autistic character. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was played mu- at at a much more grotesquely caricatured mm-hmm. clip than this com- comparatively naturalistic performance from Ben right. Affleck here. Um, but yeah, so Julie wasn't enough to scare him off um, from this. And maybe maybe he was viewing this as a chance to redeem that movie by... He's like, well, let me show you how this how this should have been played. It's so weird that like... I feel like, you know, you hear... I didn't know that was a part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like once you do, you're like... I don't know. Now you know to say like, is that okay? Like, do you right, think ask. that there's just like a lack of... If you ask the question, checks then... In the in the studio system? Well, I mean, or is I, it just like complete ignorance to the fact that? I mean, that's 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 a big question. Uh, I mean, you know, there's I so think many that, people in so many parts. I guess it would be right. hard to say like who's responsible for that. But yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. You know, I feel like uh, I think it probably depends on who who the people are who are really geared up about it and who's greenlighting it and who yeah. and who's like is like oh well, I'm not going to tell them it's offensive. You're going to tell them no. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, fear. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's, I'm sure there's a fear-based component. Uh, corporate fear. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, probably just this idea of like, well, is there an internet <laughs> backlash about this yet? No? No. Great. I mean, there's so much going on right now. I feel like this one's going to slip through the cracks. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm sure the HuffPo will dig up some article somewhere about like some this isolated tweet from somebody saying this is offensive. Yeah. And they'll be like, Twitter backlash. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Uh, <laughs> So, but aside from that, no, I mean, I, so, uh, so no, I don't know. I don't know whether or not to like ding this one as, you know, as offensive, but I do think that it's a conversation that needs to continue to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, if you take away the right of, you know, abled actors to play differently abled people, then like the Oscars can just be canceled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, yeah. uh, you know, it's like a foundation of acting is, mm-hmm. you know, is, is playing, you know, different disabilities and different, you know. Uh, differently abled um, uh, people so mm, hard to say uh, so I'm not going to like condemn this movie because Ben Affleck plays an autistic person but I do think it has some some laughs that that are not completely respectful of, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. of, 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 of the subject matter and uh, and ultimately it kind of tries to wrap it all up in this kind of like it tries to wrap it up as like this affirmation of like 
autistic people can do anything. But like, but like, but then you look back at the movie and what you've just watched him do, uh, and you're like, is that is this is this meant to be a role model for right. autistic people? You know, this this like deranged mathematician going around shooting people in the head for like two hours. <laughs> it's like, and then like it ends with this very like, yeah, <laughs> as if you just watched this like very uplifting, inspiring movie about like, oh, you know, an autistic person overcoming the odds. Um, just being an accountant. Just being an accountant, you know? I mean, it's not that much. Uh, what are you going to give this one? Mm, I'm going to give it consume moderation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I mean, it is just just as an oddity, just as a movie that backs so much into it, I feel like it's kind of like, wow. Um, so, it, and as you said, airplane movie. It airplane is airplane movie, movie material. Um, but, I mean, it's not a movie that you should rush out and see in the theaters, uh, which, you know, I know that we haven't really had much that we've recommended to you recently. Um, because I don't know, like this spell is continuing, this kind mm-hmm. of dry spell. A lot of a lot of other movies that we you may have missed that we reviewed right. have come out, like um, mm-hmm. uh, the Tilda Swinton movie. Just yeah, came a, out. Bigger a bigger is, splash is on iTunes now. Um, and if you listen to this um, before Monday the sixteenth, seventeenth, uh, it is nineteen. It is only nine ninety nine on iTunes right now. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, no. There's be- no. We, we you can't do pricing. No, no, no. Because like I was really excited because I mean I'm a customer like anyone else, and both that and Popstar this year's two best movies about fictional musicians in exile are nine ninety nine each on iTunes this week. Here's uh, the thing. I like the idea. The copy there sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could I couldn't speak to that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just a customer, and I'm excited about this great deal. So. Anywho, yeah, there's lots of fun movies to watch <laughs> that have come out already this year because this year up until fall has been all about just unexpected small movies that ended up being really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so so go find one of those. I, I'm not going to recommend that you go see this movie, even though I'm not going to quite send it back because it was still enjoyable, fitfully. Uh, the Accountant is rated R for strong violence and language throughout. And that brings us to our last movie. <laughs> already halfway there, guys. Which is Maya Angelou and Still I Rise. This is the first feature documentary about the remarkable writer, poet, actress, activist, Maya Angelou. My mother's boyfriend raped me. I was seven. So I stopped speaking for five years. In those five years, I read every book in the black school library. When I decided to speak, I had a lot to say. I feel like it's been a while since we've seen a movie that we've both seen. Yeah, we're back, guys. <laughs> I saw this one. <laughs> Yay! This will be a joint review. Um, you want to take the lead? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, always! Um, I did not know, to be honest, full disclosure, I really didn't know a lot about my... I had not heard of her. Uh, <laughs> this is, um, my first introduction... <laughs> But honestly, I don't think I have ever... It's embarrassing. Uh, I never had to read her in school. I don't think I ever had did uh, mm. recreationally. I really didn't know much of anything other than mm. cultural icon, activist. Um, so this was incredibly educational, f- super fascinating. Mm. Uh, I, I was familiar... So I actually bought, after she did the inaugural poem, On the Pulse of Morning, mm-hmm. um, which is which is has a nice segment in this movie about that whole moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I went out and bought, like, because they, they did like, a special little printing of just that poem. I remember this little, like, sort of, like, royal blue book. 
And, uh, and I bought that. And uh, because I think I just sensed, even though I was only 11 when she read it, that I was like, this is the birth of the 90s right here. <laughs> this is going to be an amazing decade. <laughs> and, uh, and then I went out and bought a bunch of her books and never read them, which, is, which has always <laughs> been my, uh, my MO. <laughs> I've done it from the time, time immemorial. Um, hey, and speaking of which, quickly off, have you listened to all of the records in this room? Um, I have put all of them on the turntable at least once. Okay. Um, whenever I get that, see that stack on the futon right there? Those are new, and so I'm going to put them on there. And, and then they go, in, and then the they go into the shelf. Okay, and they go just back, wondering. Quick back, aside, Jason has the stacks. A, a, a pretty large record collection. It's, it's absurd, and it's always growing. Um, but... Uh, my Angelou, I in or Angelo, I think people. It's I, apparently I was I was following along, seeing who would pronounce it different ways mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah, there were a couple. But I different. think she herself said Angelo, so I was going to stay with Angelo. Okay. Um, you do you. But uh, <laughs> but you know, in more recent years, I mostly my main references for my Angelo had been like Kathy Griffin making fun of her. Um, oh no. And um, and then uh, there's this. Um, funny YouTube video with someone doing impression of her voice because you know she had a very distinct cadence um, and mm-hmm. it was just it was very uh, inimitable uh, you know it was hers and hers alone mm-hmm. and you can't talk like that without someone being like stop trying to talk like my Angelo yeah um, which I hear constantly um, <laughs> because I, I, I'm just as tall as her and I carry mm-hmm. myself with just as much regal bearing you really do um, undeserved pr- proud pony Completely like as, as you called me last week a proud proud <laughs> pony um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I didn't really know very much about her life. I never read, um, you know, I know what the Cageberg sings. I, I was vaguely aware of some of the biographical details. Um, I never watched Roots, so I didn't see her in that. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. So, you have uh, a lot to do in 2017. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm not going to focus on that. Um, but you know, I, I, I think that, you know, so it was informative with that said, this was the most basic. Yes like cradle to grave TV documentary. Yeah, yes. Which is what it was. It's American it's, Masters. Yeah, PBS. It's getting a theatrical run, but it was produced by PBS American Masters. Mm-hmm. Um and so like it could not be less inspired in the way mm-hmm, it's presented. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It is so by the numbers and it was hard to take it seriously. It was so by the numbers. Yeah. I I mean, it was also pretty uh it it felt strange that so many of the interviews were f- so old mm-hmm. um she died in 2014 i don't yeah. there, a, a lot of it is is uh yeah. an interview with her which must have been? happened yeah. yeah it seemed like this movie came out five or six years ago yeah it feels like yeah it feels like it's been sitting on the shelf um and now it's getting a release and it's certainly i mean like it's a, it's a well-timed release because i mm-hmm. think that no um, yeah absolutely yeah i mean like you know the teachings and the example of my angelo are are, are more relevant now um than they've been in in ages yeah um and uh and just her it's i mean it it's bracing you know it really is bracing to see her just fully in her glory refusing to you know and just the way that she's at this example of pride the way she embodied pride in a way that was just so fierce and mm-hmm, ferocious mm-hmm. and um and <laughs> which you know and sometimes was you know directed at things that you know were just big um you know oogly boogly enemies like you know like racism and, and institutional oppression and sometimes it's just a young black woman in a talk show audience. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> so this has, it chilled me to the bone. I was um, embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I was dying like a thousand deaths since I watching this. So guys, there's a scene, there's a piece of archival footage where Dr. Angelo is um, is on a talk show. And, yeah, it's like um, a, 
I don't it's even like, know what it was. Today, tonight. Yeah, yeah. it's just like a, just a generic looking talk 90s. show. Yeah, very mid-90s. And this young African-American woman, um, you know, raises her hand and the audience asks a question. And she's like, hi, my question's for Maya. I went, and, and then Maya Angelou fucking reads her to filth. It was She verbally disembowels this woman. Insane. And she's like, she's like, my name is, I'm not going to do the impression. No, don't um, do it. Uh, she's like, my name is not Maya. Uh, my name to you is Miss Angelo. Uh, she's like, cause I'm your grandmother. I'm your mother. I'm your aunt. Uh, you do don't call me by my first name. Uh, and, and, yeah. it, and, it, and it goes About on. the respect that she deserves. It goes on for several minutes. Uh, and it is just, I was, I was just oh, dying. God. So embarrassed. And then this girl is just standing there kind of smiling. Like, <laughs> like she just keeps smiling through the whole thing while she's having my Angelo just like rip her to shreds. Yeah. Um, on national television for having the nerve to call her Maya. It was pretty amazing. It was pretty you know, terrifying. It was, you know, and although you know, it also spoke to, that was probably one of her teachings that isn't so relevant today. This idea of like, you know, your elders are not to be called by their first name. I don't think that that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that there's like a whole, I mean, I think that, you and know. she's speaking to another, you know, a young black woman. Uh, so it felt weird that she was, I mean, it, it definitely felt more of like a, of her generation type thing to lash out somebody about. Sure. I think that there's still like, um, you know, when you come from an experience where you spend so much of your life doing amazing things and still not getting respect mm. from a lot of the world, mm-hmm. that um, sometimes you have to double down on it. Like that, I mean, the, the impression yeah. was made. Am I, am oh, I, right? yeah. I mean, I will never call her Maya again. No, no I will not. <laughs> I will just imagine her coming back from the grave and just, just reading me for filth. I uh, don't want that to happen. Down. Don't mm-hmm. want that. That might be my Halloween costume. Just kidding. Um, but it was, uh, it's really, it's rough. But I mean, but she does set that example of just demanding dignity and demanding respect um, at all times and at all costs. Yeah. And she lived a million lives. Really? That I mean, that was fascinating. It was. And one of which was as a showgirl in San Francisco yeah. for quite some time. They show like the black cat. I, you know, I agree with your... Um, uh, your opinion about how dry and how PBS mm-hmm. uh, shows through on this, but I feel like if the if, it, if the content was any more dull, mm-hmm. it would have been really hard to get through. But because she lived such an amazing life, and there is so much footage of it from all from all these different places, mm-hmm. um, and so many old friends that right. have these like anecdotes about it, mm-hmm. it made it it made it still very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it is still. I mean, like, and she in this unfortunately is the only as as we noted. The only feature length documentary about yeah. my Angelo to date. And so it's kind of like beggars can't be choosers. And we kind of mm-hmm. have to just be like, oh, awesome. I guess it's this. And there is tons of footage of her. Really? Um, and it is, I mean, it really is a strange that no one else has done this. And they had, it had to fall to like PBS American Masters to do the first one. Um, but, you know, it does shed light on, especially for, for you know, for people our generation and, and younger who only ever knew Maya Angelo as this, like this, this, this dowager. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, being wheeled around by Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that to see what I was mostly fascinated by speaking to this San Francisco showgirl era was not just that part of her life, but just the pre-literary part of her life in general, mm-hmm, because she mm-hmm. was, she was some years on by the time she wrote, I know why the cage bird six yeah. that came out in 1969. Um, and, uh, she had spent, I think all of the fifties as a showgirl. Yeah. She 60s. had, yeah, she just, you know, we, we find her, you know, her childhood, you and know, and became going, really political. Yes. And then, you know, was 60s. kind of you know, radicalized and, you know, was in New York and, you know, best friends with James Baldwin. Mm, yeah. Um, and Malcolm uh, X, Malcolm X, MLK. Uh, so, you know, like, and so just seeing that whole part of her life and then see, I think it's just, 
I'm always so fascinated probably just because I'm like constantly aware of my own age but you know like seeing these really unforeseen huge twists yeah. in people's lives that come at like the midpoint yeah I mean that was um, a big part too when, when she had her son was already 17 and mm-hmm. she moved to Ghana Right. And then like started this whole new life and had all these great like social experiences with all these like high thinkers of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like had this really close relationship at that point with Malcolm X. And like right. they were like talking to different leaders of African nations. And mm-hmm. again, so she must have been at least in her mid 30s by that oh, time. Yeah. And from someone who had just been, um, you know, singing, she was in movies like mm-hmm. even before um before roots. Yeah. I guess it's like one of those like when you just say yes to things. <laughs> yeah, just say yes. Uh, it's yeah, it, I think you know what this really is all about is how how Maya was doing the secret. I think. Uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, how long have you been in this apartment? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have rent control. That's cool, but it's been a minute. I know. Well, I mean, but yeah, but honestly, obviously, what are we gonna do? We can't leave. You can't leave. Um, but seriously, we can't. Um, but uh, but you know, I mean, and she she's 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 one of these figures who is so inspiring just because she she achieved so much and was such a radical just by her mere refusal to be anything less than herself. Exactly. So just the mere physical act of being Maya Angelou mm-hmm. changed the world. Yep. Her, you know, as this this tall, you know... They really uh, double down on how tall she is. Yeah. And like every part of the movie, yeah, everyone's people like, comment. was tall. She was like uh, six feet tall. Uh, and uh, so just, you know, and she just, and she had a distinct look that was her own mm-hmm. and like, and she had a distinct voice and a distinct cadence. And that was just who she was at all times. And mm-hmm. just the mere act of being that changed the world. Yeah. And uh, and we have no shortage of, of, of key figures stepping forward to do talking heads. Uh, we have, of course, Oprah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have the Clintons. Yeah, in we do. Separate, separate segments. Mm-hmm. Um, Cicely Tyson. Cicely Tyson. Alfre Woodard. Mm-hmm. Um, Common. Yes, Common. Uh, and in Hillary, bless her. Um, you can tell this is before things really kicked off with the campaign because there's oh, a certain, there's a light in her eyes. There really is. Um, and her face just lo- she just looks like there's just there's just a brightness about her. Yeah. That she has hasn't since, seen the ugliness that no, the world has become in this past did, year. She did not know what was to come. I wonder um, if she feels the sense of responsibility she feels knowing this is completely off topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. We, you know, we feel terrible every day reading the news and reading what Trump is doing and saying. Mm-hmm. But like, I wonder if she feels this like insane responsibility to win to like mm-hmm. save the country. I'm sure. That I'm must, sure she that does. Way on her. Yes. Um, there's this great tweet that Billy Eichner sent that's been getting making the rounds where he basically says like, you know, he's like after the election, I don't want to see Trump again in any context. No reality shows. Yeah. Because he has made this world a much uglier place. Yeah. And for that, I want no more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and definitely. It, and it's, such a, it's so true. It's so true. Like, he has brought so much, such darkness mm-hmm. and such hatred and such, you know, just he's, Depravity. Made, he's made this country a much worse place. Exponentially worse than just by running for president. Just by just for running for president in his own way. Just, um, just by this mere act of being himself. This, just exactly. He has destroyed. You know, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. <laughs> uh, so I'm not saying you should all be yourselves. Ask yourself, am I an Angelo or am I a Trump? Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no. If only. I mean, I can only imagine the um, the just utter uh, uh, consternation and uh, bewilderment that Dr. Angelo would feel if she were oh, wow. watching this all unfold and just watching the events of 2016 in general unfold. Yeah. So, you know, it is however dry as we're saying this documentary might be and however like just basic and formulaic it is, uh, just having those pieces of her wisdom and her language and her poetry, um, 
they were just so invaluable mm-hmm. um, and they speak to this year and I think they always will yeah. have that that just you know that that transcendent wisdom to them yeah I mean things hit you in different ways you, you watch a news story and you see you know uh, unarmed black person killed by the police mm-hmm. and that hits you in one way and then when you read poetry sort of about similar issues it hits you in a different way like right. you experience um, sort of a bit of understanding or, or a bit of uh, being able to relate in a way that's that's not quite as right. straightforward as reading well, a news article. Yeah, it comes at your brain a different way. Exactly. Um, and I say that as somebody who doesn't care about poetry. Uh, <laughs> but all the same, it comes at your brain a different way. Uh, the one thing I kept waiting for in this movie that I almost thought was going to let me go without was a poetic justice story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, they showed John Singleton very early as a talking head. And so I was holding out hope. I'm like, there's got to be a poetic justice story. It was a good one. And it was a it good was one. It was a really good one. I won't spoil it for you here. No, um, absolutely not. But, uh, but it's a very good poetic justice story in case you were worried, like I was, that we were going to not be treated yeah. to uh, a stroll down that particularly memory lane. Memory lane. Because uh, she really owned 93 because that came out in yeah. 93 summer. January ninety three was the inauguration. So yeah. I mean that was that was kind of like the Big first year. time that I certainly had heard of her. Um but uh but yeah, so it's it's great what that it's out there. Are you gonna give it, Jason? I'm gonna do consume moderation. I cannot um give it the highest recommendation just because it's it's just too basic and TV documentary ish. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you have like the HBOs of the world doing these like much more intriguing T V documentaries. Um, I feel like she deserved better. Than she gets in this movie. I feel like this is a movie that should have been made about her ten years ago. Yeah. Um, and now we should be getting down to more interesting, you know, like movies like What Happened, Miss Simone, and yeah. you know, like there's just so much more you could do with this. And this is this this it feels like it feels like an EPK for Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't so, know what that means. Electronic press kit. It just feels oh. like it just feels mm-hmm. like really basic. Um, so I can't quite give it the highest recommendation when you could just as easily go out and you know read her work. I am going to give it a budget. Uh, because I feel the value of the piece and, and the information, and uh, especially at this point in time, as, as we were mentioning, is is super important. And it should have come out 10 years ago. We should have watched it 10 years ago, but that doesn't mean you wouldn't watch a documentary now that came out 10 years ago about something that's really um, interesting and important. So we disagree a little bit, but either way, um, we're saying watch it either right now or in a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, guess I would say that it... It would be hard to say you should go to the theater and see this. Yeah. Um, but you definitely I'm, shouldn't miss it. I'm sure it'll air. I mean, since it's a PBS American Masters, I'm right. sure it'll air on PBS eventually. So guys, just Google it, look it up, check your local listings. But like put it um, in your like bookmarks or something so you don't forget about it. Yeah, because I mean, her, her story is one that we should all know, <laughs> you know. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so we keep notes on the show for every, every movie. And I had put the, the notes for this movie with another movie. And she, and we so we, I we rewrite down, the same document week after week. And <laughs> Maya Angelou, I Still Rise, is rated R for violent sexual content, <laughs> language and nudity. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not rated. It's a documentary. It has no violence. It has all those things talked about, but not shown. <laughs> uh, so on that giant gaffe... <laughs> Uh, which was it's like it would have been really? funny if it was the American Honey one. It's like <laughs> first sex nudity, violence, all involving teens. Great R for teen smoking. Um, that's it. That's it for this week. We still guys. managed to stretch it out to almost forty-five minutes. Fantastic. We um, want, we wouldn't want to. You know, I don't like those too short podcasts. Mm-hmm. You can't trust a podcast that's like under half an hour long, which is what our Moonlight one will be. Yep. But all the same. So be sure to check that out next week. Uh, Jason, you're on Twitter at excess baggage, and I'm at fight balance. Thank you so much. Bye, guys.
Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.